Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Daily Dialectic. And today we're going to talk about um, something that's been in the news the last couple days. Uh, Articles and various publications talking about something called the new right, post-left, dissident right, and all of that. Um, Maybe you've heard about it. And this is something that I wrote extensively about two years ago. Um, And... It's basically this idea that uh, populism had a moment in the 2015 range, 2016, and that's why Trump was able to win, really. He won as a populist. There was general outrage against the elites, against corporations, um, and that wasn't new. That had been there at least since 2008 um, when you know the financial crisis happened which was correctly blamed on Wall Street and big financial corporations. uh, And the Iraq war was revealed by then to be a total lie and illegal. Um, And Obama was elected, this guy with no experience, who had no ideas or no plans, uh, largely because he was different. He seemed different. He seemed like an outsider. Um, And people thought for a minute that he was going to change things or, you know, hold the, the elites accountable and be kind of the voice of the people. But of course, that was total bullshit, and he did none of that. Um, And so fast forward to eight years later, people are still pissed off. They're more pissed off. Uh, And what do the Democrats do? They offer up Hillary Clinton, who could not be more of an establishment figure. Um, And after eight years of Obama, they actually thought that people were going to fucking go for that. And, you know, Trump won based off populist anger, basically. And that was met with, of course, at the same time, the Bernie Sanders populism thing was happening. Uh, And if you remember 2016, he almost won. Like for a minute, it seemed like he might do it. But of course, the party managers conspired against him and rat fucked him and so on. We all know the story. Um, And then he ran again in 2020 and did pretty good, but the party managers fucked him again. He said that he isn't ruling out running in 2024, but that's fucking ridiculous. He'll be like, you know, 85 by then or whatever, Um, which I guess Biden's the same age. But if it didn't work the last two times, it ain't going to work this time, Bernie, Um, especially when you're running against someone in your own party. Like the Democrats just aren't going to let that fucking happen. Um, And so... Yeah, the Bernie thing was based on left populism. Um, Populist anger channeled around, you know, someone who isn't a (laughs) right-wing lunatic like Trump. Um, But I think we can safely say that that whole period is over and it failed. Like the 2016-2020 left populism thing is over. It's not coming back. You know, there was the squad, like Rashida Tlaib... Uh, Ilhan Omar, AOC, a couple others. Um, all women, of course, because God forbid there be a young man who's allowed to be involved in left-wing populism. Um, that would never happen because, you know, um, I don't know, any young man on the left would just be canceled before he could have that opportunity or would be drawn to the right instead. Um, and, you know, the squad is still around, I guess. Nobody really gives a shit anymore. They're not going to get anything done under Biden um, because Biden doesn't give a shit. And I think people recognize that the left-wing populism thing is over. And so now that that's over, 
you know, populism is still around. And so now it's the right's turn. Um, sort of the post-Trump right. Uh, and I think that's why right-wing populism is being positioned as, you know, this new thing. Again, because left-wing populism failed and is over, so now it's the right's turn. Um, but we already sort of know what right-wing populism is. It's indistinguishable from Trumpism. It's just Trump again. Um, and of course, Trump was, and still is, a billionaire. He was a real estate magnate. He ran a big corporation called the Trump Organization. Um, and not only did he not do things for the working man, he did everything he could to serve the billionaire class that he was a member of. Um, you know, the Trump tax cut was the biggest gift to corporations and the rich in American history since the Reagan tax cuts. And, you know, Trumpism, just like this new right-wing populism, is really just a repeat of Reaganism from the 1980s, which itself was kind of a repeat of Goldwaterism from the 1960s. You can look these people up. Um, and so, yeah, uh, Vanity Fair and some other things wrote about this new right-wing populism thing. Um, and this guy, Peter Thiel, is kind of the money behind it. He's a billionaire, of course, a big tech billionaire. Um, and if you followed right-wing populism at all, uh, a lot of it is based on anti-corporate sentiment, like left-wing populism, um, but especially against big tech companies like Google and Facebook and so on, against those monopolies and against their surveillance and control and so on, uh, and against the pharmaceutical companies and corporations in general. Um, so it's kind of interesting that uh, a tech billionaire is the one kind of financing all of this. Um, and if you know anything about their larger philosophical and social vision, which is laid out in journals and magazines such as American Affairs, um, they're very open about what they want. They want something called corporatism, where corporations literally run society. Um, not making this up, you know, search American affairs, corporatism. There's an article by this guy, Gladden Pappen, uh, who writes about, you know, basically the idea of a company town, um, that a corporation is better than big government at helping people and running their lives and so on. And of course, there's a big religious component to this. Um, they don't think that corporations themselves can answer all of human needs. Um, the church and spirituality has to come in and family, you know, the nuclear family plays a big role in it as well. Um, and, and so they want to reduce the role of government and expand the role of corporations in society. That's what new right-wing populism wants. Uh, they want to, again, get rid of all liberal institutions, uh, which is understandable. Liberals suck. You know, they're woke, they're annoying. Um, they fail all the time. <laughs> They're slaves to Wall Street. Of course, of course, of course. Um, but especially they want to get rid of public schools um, because the, the Department of Education has like something like an $800 billion budget and the private sector wants that money. And so, you know, they want to replace public schools with charter schools and with homeschooling. So there's been a big uh, increase in discourse about homeschooling 
on Twitter, but I think in the larger society as well. It's hard to tell sometimes, you know, what's happening on Twitter versus what's happening in the larger society, but oftentimes they're the same. Um, and part of it is, you know, COVID for two years, schools were basically shut down. Um, and public schools were doing really, really badly to begin with before all of this. They were already on their last legs. And COVID is, you know, like, basically, it's basically like Hurricane Katrina uh, was for New Orleans. It permanently destroyed the whole public school system now. So now it's almost completely, you know, controlled by um, charter schools in New Orleans. And COVID was basically that for the whole country. Um, so it's not clear if public schools are going to be able to recover from this horrible blow of, of COVID. Um, and so a big part of this new right-wing tendency is dismantling every public, you know, aspect of society because uh, it can't be controlled by private capital. And it's all ultimately, you know, in the service of private capital. That's what this is all about. And the teachers' union um, is one of the biggest, strongest unions in the country. And they're very weak right now, too, because, you know, teachers' union is the reason that schools were closed for two years. They weren't closed to protect the kids because kids don't really get sick from COVID. Um, it was because teachers didn't want to take the risk. And, you know, that's understandable. And they have a lot of power. So they were able to do that. Um, and so if the corporate state, the corporate elite can break the back of the public school system. Uh, they can get the $800 billion that the Department of Education has, and they can destroy the biggest, strongest union in the country, the teachers union, other than the police union, of course, which, you know, right-wing populists like, of course, we got to support the police. Um, so this new right populist thing, uh, again, is neither new because it's a repeat of 1980s Ronald Reagan shit. Um, and it's not populist because it's, you know, spearheaded by a corporate billionaire and it's in the service of expanding the influence of corporations throughout society. Um, so it's completely hollow bullshit. Um, and what they trade on is, what they rely on is people calling them reactionaries or Nazis or fascists or whatever. Um, because then they can be like, oh, typical liberal, typical leftist, you call everyone a fascist that you disagree with, blah, blah, blah. And then, then they can do this whole rhetorical game. They're like, oh, we're not fascists, whatever. Um, or we're not Nazis, whatever. Um, and it's true that they're not. Nazis. They're not necessarily... Well, okay. They are all Zionists, basically. None of them ever critique Israel. Uh, Zionism is the philosophy underlying the existence of Israel. Um, and if you know anything about Israel, it's probably the most fascist place in the world, um, in a very deep sense. And so the reason that neither left or right nowadays ever uh, criticizes Israel is because they have something for both sides. So Israel is the perfection of neoliberalism on the one hand, because it's, you know, this utopia of startups and, you know, tech innovations. It's basically like a Silicon Valley uh, on the Mediterranean Sea. So 
Democrats, neoliberals like it. And, you know, a lot of the libertarian sort of right-wing people like Peter Thiel and others, you know, love the whole startup vibe of Israel too. Um, and the right conservatives and so on uh, who hate, you know, Black Lives Matter movements, all of that stuff, they love Israel because Israel is the most openly racist place in the world. They have, you know, open apartheid. They have an open air prison where millions of Palestinians live in Gaza just because they're a different race than people in Israel. Um, And so it's sort of this dream combination of very old racism that's, you know, right out in the open and very new advanced you know, utopian neoliberal startup culture. And so both sides absolutely love that. And so they're existing side by side in this one place called Israel. Um, And so this new right populism thing, it will never criticize Israel or Zionism or anything like that. Um, In fact, you know, they hate, it kind of coalesced around in reaction to the George Floyd protests which this whole tendency of the populist right uh, despises because it's too similar, because it brings attention to how similar the Palestinian situation is uh, over there to what African-Americans have gone through over here. Um, And so it had to be totally, you know, reacted against. And so it's very strange that this new right-wing thing never criticizes Israel. Because usually, like, you know, new right-wing movements uh, coalesce around, you know, the critique of uh, the international Jew, for lack of a better word. Um, That's what the right has always been about, really. And whatever new right-wing tendencies pop up, um, that's sort of the fear or the suspicion that it's going to be that. But this new dissident right, it's called, um, very much isn't that. It's explicitly not that. Um, It courts, and it's open to white nationalism. Um, The article on Vanity Fair went into that, that, you know, it's explicitly not ruling out white nationalism. Um, But in America, that really just means, you know, ignoring the history of racism against black Americans that, you know, this country's founded on, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean persecution of the Jews in America. Um, So it's a new right-wing tendency that's being promoted by the media uh, that is explicitly not against Israel. Um, And in fact, a lot of its leading figures are Israeli and Jewish. Uh, And it shouldn't be surprising that a lot of this new right-wing thinking is coming from Israel because Israel is a very conservative place. Uh, So that's one weird thing about all of this. And something else, if you read the Vanity Fair article about the new dissident right, uh, is that it's all like women podcasters who are kind of being used as the court jesters for the billionaire capitalists uh, who are promoting it. There aren't really any young men, let alone young white men, 
who are either podcasters or writers in this tendency. Um, the main guy identified as this guy, Curtis Yarvin, he's like the considered the real philosopher of all of this. Um, but he, you know, he's pretty old and he's kind of a dork and he's just like a internet poster. He's been around for years and doesn't really say anything very interesting or threatening, uh, which is why billionaires like him. Um, but the article isn't really about him necessarily because he isn't new and he isn't really challenging. He's just sort of repeating what Trump said, but in a slightly more, you know, fake intellectual way. Uh, it's really about like the younger podcasters and like internet army people. Um, and Curtis Yarvin isn't on the internet. Uh, he doesn't like post on Twitter or have a podcast or anything really. Uh, and so the tendency is being driven mostly by women and young gay men. Um, so this new dissident right thing, it trades off of, you know, these rhetorical appeals about, oh, young white men are lonely and alienated and marginalized by liberals. And we have to kind of change that. Um, but it isn't really driven by their actual voices. It's women who do stupid podcasts where they have vocal fry and they just sort of giggle. And it's just about like being their friend in this very, you know, um, vicarious way. What's the word for that? Parasocial. That's it. Um, and so it's missing the actual subjectivity that it should be uh, centered around which is young men, alienated men, especially young white men. Um, and it's interesting because what this new dissident right hates more than anything were the George Floyd protests of two years ago. Um, in the article, it goes into how that was a radicalizing event for a lot of these new, like, stupid uh, dissident right-wing podcast women. Uh because it was violent and this and that. But what they want would be that exact thing, but <laughs> with white people doing it instead of black people doing it. Uh, and so exactly what this new dissident right wants is what happened with the George Floyd protests. They would love it if all of the young white men in the country took to the streets and started tearing things apart out of, you know, rage against being, you know, persecuted by the woke left and all of this shit. Uh, but that didn't happen and it's not going to happen. It did happen with black people being outraged about police murdering them and whatever. Um, so I think that's why the dissident right hates this, uh, hates the George Floyd protests so much and Black Lives Matter and defund the police and so on, uh, is because it's the mirror version of what they want. They wish that they could have that, but with, but from a white perspective, but they can't. Um, and also they hate the idea of defunding the police because as I mentioned earlier, uh, the teachers union and the police union are the two biggest, most powerful unions in the country. And they want to destroy the teachers union. And so defunding the police takes the aim off of that and puts it onto uh, teachers or sorry, I messed that up. Um, yeah, defunding the police takes the aim off of 
what they real what their real goal, which is to defund the teachers unions. Um, and so for those two reasons, they hated what happened in the summer of 2020. They hated the fact that people were taking to the streets being violent and being heard because it wasn't the right people that they want to have doing that. It was black people, not white people. And they hated how it put police and, you know, their budgets in the crosshairs because that takes attention away from where they want it, which is on a teachers union budget and their power. So that's a big part of what's going on. So yeah, that's an overview of what's going on. Hopefully that was coherent. Um, and yeah, the people in the article, the new dissident right, uh, whatever, Again, it's not new. It's reheated 1980s Ronald Reagan conservatism, Heritage Foundation, Claremont Institute, all of the same entities pulling the strings. Um, It isn't dissident or outsider because it's being spearheaded and led by a billionaire, Peter Thiel. Um, It isn't populist or anti-corporate because their social vision is literally social corporatism, where they want to have corporations take over uh, the functions of society because the liberal state needs to be dismantled. And the media and cultural figures in the article um, are sort of being talked about like they're these new intellectuals or whatever, but they have precisely nothing to say, which is exactly why they are selected by the right wing of capital, uh, because they have, you know, cultural capital. They can make <laughs> right wing social, socially conservative capitalism seem populist and cool, which it isn't. And there's no real intellectual content to any of these media figures. Um, again, it's mostly podcasters and podcasting is a pretty disposable, uh, ephemeral, form, like people have it on in the background and whatever. Um, So much of it is produced. None of it really matters. You just listen because you want to be friends with the person doing it and whatever. I realize I'm on doing a podcast right now, but whatever. Um, And there aren't really like important articles or essays that have been written uh, that people can point to about this new tendency. There are some publications that have just sort of started, but they're basically just doing like reheated, you know, culture war stuff. Like it's it's all just like Fox News war on Christmas stuff, but it seems somehow new and different because, you know, instead of war on Christmas, it's, oh, the libs want to, you know, teach transsexuality stuff to like your kindergartner <laughs> in public school or whatever. Um, and I'm not saying that that's good, but you know, it's still just complaining about loony libs. Um, and so there's not a lot of real intellectual content that you can get out of that because again, you're just doing like 2005 Bill O'Reilly bits. Um, but now it's like online magazines or podcasts doing it. And it's like younger people, Um, because, you know, you can realize that you can get internet popularity now, uh, by shitting on the left. It's very easy. Um, and so a lot of people have gotten good at doing that. Um, I used to be pretty good at doing that. I still am, I guess. Uh, and, you know, right-wing capitalists sort of scoop them up and pay them, uh, 
to try to make the same old social conservative pro-corporate philosophy seem new and different. So that's uh, my response to this article in Vanity Fair about the new dissident right and so on. Um, Hopefully that was coherent and I will see you next time. Go Celtics.